that's Adam Alexander's song. And she looked at me like I owed her money. <laughs> like, what? Huh? Uh, like, what? no, he, that's his song. I'm out now identifying songs <laughs> to guests that we have on our show. Yeah. And so, Adam, I want you to know that we thought of you fondly the other night while we were out having dinner. Good morning and happy Father's Day to you, buddy. <laughs> Good morning, Tracy. Looked at you and said, who is Adam Alexander? <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, she's heard your name quite often on the show, but she wanted to why I'm bringing that up over Mexican food. <laughs> hey, my my favorite song, my favorite food. There you go. <laughs> there we go. Can, before we get to NASCAR, I mean, to uh, the races and NASCAR as, as a sport, listen, uh, give us a Father's Day story, whether it's you and your father or you and your kids doing something to you that, that stayed with you. You know, that that's a good one, and, and I've been fortunate because, you know, my parents had me when they were young, so my dad's still a pretty young guy for me to be the age that, that I am. And, and with that, you know, I had both of my grandfathers in my life until 18 months ago. I, I lost my first grandfather, um, you know, January of 2022. So I've been very fortunate to have tremendous influence. I, I have great memories of my great-grandfather when I was a, a kid. And, uh, and, and that would be it for me. So I'm going to tell a story about my great-grandfather. And, and a fond memory is that he had 12 children. So, so my Ooh. grandfather on my mother's side was one of 12 kids. And we lived in a small community, Hanover, Indiana. And every year at Christmas, the night of Christmas, our family had the local community center where we hosted our Christmas party, the entire family. And my great-grandfather would be there and so you can you can just imagine in a small town you know 12 kids with their kids and their kids and so here i am a great grandchild running around with all of my you know third cousins or whatever that would be and there were people playing pool and there were people playing ping pong and there were people playing cards and and watching tv and doing all the deal and and my great-grandfather would walk around and personally greet Everyone, his children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, and he had an envelope for each one of us with some cash in it. And depending on where you fit into the family and what generation you are, you got a different amount of money. But he would come around and personally greet each one of us and give us some money. And so I, I think about the leadership that he provided as a, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather for generations, and, and here I am at 50 years old, and that's the memory that comes to mind of, of someone that had tremendous influence. And I could go on and on with stories of my own grandfathers and my dad, and, you know, gosh, I've had so many great memories as a dad myself, but uh, that that's one that really sticks out as leadership and something that was really impactful for me and, and the history of my family. Folks, that folks, how about that? Yeah. How about that, folks? Spending time on the waitforit.com hotline this morning on this Father's Day morning. With a great dad, uh, Adam yes, Alexander, is. and he is social. You can find him on Twitter at Adam One Alexander at Adam One Alexander. Adam, you, you, there's, there's no race today, and I figured I'd ask you because although you don't have anything to do with the scheduling, we raced on Mother's Day, but there's no race on Father's Day. There are a lot of dads this morning going to get up. They may go to Sunday service, then, then they go get a little bite to eat with their family. They'd love to sit down and see a race today, but they, they, there's no race today. It's crazy, isn't it? And really, you know, this is a, a little bit of an odd circumstance in the schedule, and, and I think the Father's Day portion of that is coincidental. So th this makes up the split. 
of the Fox and the NBC schedule when you look at where the TV networks fall on the calendar for NASCAR. And, you know, a number of years ago when the U.S. Open was on Fox, this was a good time to have the split because Fox didn't have to, you know, deal with getting TV windows for both the NASCAR race and what was their final race and also the U.S. Open. And so it has just served as a good midway break for the teams. It's a good way to divide up the TV schedule. And it just coincidentally falls on Father's Day because of the way the dates hit and where that break falls. It really has nothing to do with the fact that it's Father's Day and it's an off day for NASCAR. But you're right, forever. And and I think we talked about this when we were racing a few weeks ago at Darlington about how sacred Mother's Day always was and you'd never raced on, on Mother's Day and how that tradition has changed in the last handful of years. And now to not be racing on Father's Day, um, you know, is just an odd coincidence because you know, obviously there are a lot of dads who today would love to, to get up, do their thing, and then this afternoon get to watch an NASCAR race. You know, and we find ourselves in a weird situation right now where you have – a guy who was one of the all-time greats when he had his other job in the NFL talking about Joe Gibbs, and he has landed in NASCAR and got himself another Hall of Fame career. I say this on the heels of Michael Jordan selling his majority stake with the, with the, uh, with the Hornets, but yet having a team in NASCAR. I don't know that he's going to have the same success as Joe Gibbs, you know, when you look down the road, but how do you, how do you describe Michael Jordan as a NASCAR owner at this point? What an amazing start, and I'll go back – to Daytona 2021. They're just starting this thing. They're a single car operation. It's going to be Bubba Wallace driving the 23. And Michael Strahan sat down at Daytona with Michael uh, and Denny and Bubba, Denny Hamlin, who's, who's obviously a co-owner with Michael Jordan. And he asked Michael, you know, what's your goal? And Michael said, I want to win. And that's that's what we're in this for. And we've all seen these new NASCAR teams come and and go. And I never really thought that the ownership thing was going to be short-lived for Michael Jordan because he doesn't do things that way. But I did feel like the growing pains would be real. And I knew that you don't just come into NASCAR and win. And then October 2021, Bubba Wallace wins. And I'm like, wow, they they did it. And then they go to a two-car team, and Kurt Busch wins in the spring of last year at Kansas. And then Bubba wins in the fall. And now here they are in year three, and they're very competitive. Tyler Reddick has a win. Bubba Wallace has a playoff spot as of now when you look at the points. And so what Michael Jordan is doing as an owner has far exceeded my expectations. I'm not saying they weren't capable of doing the things that they're doing, but to do it in the time that they've done it in is truly remarkable to me. And and it comes at a time when I think the cards that are on the table for new teams are, are better than what they used to be. You know, uh, you, you look at what Trackhouse is doing with Justin Marks and, you know, Pitbull, that they've been competitive and they're winning races too. And, and so, you know, I think we're at a different time right now in NASCAR that opens the door for new owners to come in and have success. But having said that, even putting that asterisk on it with the next-gen car, um, which is when they came into the sport, 
I, I got to tell you, uh, it's been very, very impressive to watch the foundation they've laid and the growth they've gone through. Both spending time on the wageforit.com outline with Adam Alexander of FS1. And, you, and you're still going to be busy because you're going to be in studio every Sunday, right? Are you still going to be in studio every Sunday? Indeed. Yeah, we, we start race day uh, next week. And I, I shouldn't say we start it. We continue. And we, we've been doing race day every week. But up until now, it's a true pre-race show because we've got race coverage on Fox. NBC takes over the broadcast next Sunday at Nashville. Fox will have no role in the actual live broadcast, but we continue on FS1 to do our race day show. So I'll be a part of that every week between now and the end of the season. I'll continue to do race up during the week. And then I'm going to do a handful of our Craftsman Truck Series races. I've been helping with that this year, and I'll do some of those as we go throughout the balance of uh, 2023. So still got a handful of things on the plate as we go throughout the rest of the year. All right. We got a second race coming up in Atlanta here in just a few weeks. Folks down here, we're a little concerned, man. Number nine, hasn't gotten that win yet, you know, and Chase, for various reasons, have had to spend time out of that car. What are your thoughts that we get to the second half? They're really under some pressure. They are, and I feel like right now, Sam, with 10 races to go, they're in a must-win situation. I really felt like when they came back after his, you know, original time away when he missed those six races with the injury, that they could still point their way in. And then he had to run in with Denny Hamlin on the Coke 600, got suspended the race at St. Louis. And, uh, you know, I feel like that and, and Alex Bowman coming back and where he is in the points. And just when you look at, at the overall situation, it's probably going to be uh, a must win for Chase Elliott if he's going to qualify for the playoffs. You know, having said that, they, they ran pretty good at Sonoma. He was top five there, which was good. That They haven't had winning speed really much this year there have been a few races where you would have them in the conversation but not a lot so they they do have their work cut out for them i will say though when you look at the tracks where we are going they're going to have a real chance to get it done and and you know look at the next few weeks on on the schedule i mean you got uh in nashville where he won last year you got watkins Glen on the schedule later this summer you got the road course in chicago he's a great road racer um, you know, Atlanta, obviously he's won at Atlanta. So there are some tracks coming up where you feel like you can get it done. Pocono, you know, he won that race last year, but actually, you know, he didn't get the trophy on race day. That's when Denny was disqualified and, and all of that. So uh, I, I feel like there are some opportunities on the horizon for the nine team to win, but they probably are going to have to win if he's going to make it into the playoffs. Hey, Adam, what did you think of the news if you hadn't heard it about uh... – the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got to renovate that stadium. And one of the uh, places that have stepped up to offer to <laughs> house them is Daytona 500, man. Daytona, the Daytona Speedway. Uh, what are your thoughts? About, and listen, and we've seen what the Coliseum did, you know, reconfiguring yeah. things. And then Bristol. How, and how do you think this will work, man? I'm rooting for it. And I feel like this is something we're going to see more of. And that is these, you know, racetracks becoming multi-purpose sporting venues. And, and we know they do concerts. And, you know, I, I feel like Charlotte Motor Speedway has got events there like 300 days a year. Now, that, that's not all on the racetrack, right? That, that might be utilizing their facility for other things, whether it's meetings or conferences or, or whatever. But I'm an enormous fan of playing football, soccer. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this, uh, Hubert Davis did I think he, he waved the green flag last year for the Roval uh, at Charlotte Motor Speedway. 
And he said to Marcus Smith, I, Marcus Smith, uh, you know, the chairman and, and owner of Speedway Motorsports, and that includes Charlotte, he told Marcus Smith, I want to play a basketball game here. I mean, he was so into the electricity. Can you imagine putting a basketball court on the infield at Charlotte Motor Speedway and wow. playing a game there? But they do it on an aircraft, you know, a carrier. So, I, you know, it seems possible uh, to do it anywhere. And so that would be cool. But football – at Daytona, and not just football, but the National Football League hosting Jacksonville while their stadium is renovated would be unbelievable. I'm rooting for it. And I also can't wait to see when they get that stadium done because the renderings look spectacular. Yeah, yeah. I, I want them soon to bring the Winter Classic there. Yep. I know they can't do it, but I'd love to see that. The Winter <laughs> Classic at hockey in Daytona. Yep. Now, there you go. How Matt- about that? Now, there you go. That's an idea. <laughs> that Max, is an idea. Our producer wants to jump in here real quick since we're talking about his area of the country. Oh, I mean, just, yeah, because I drove by there every single day. That it's just I'm sure you guys have seen it. It's just massive. And so I have some friends and um, some managers of some retail stores call me like, hey, we're about to start getting some Jag stuff soon because if this happens, it changes the dynamic of the town. And so people are rooting for it big time. We don't know when the decision is going to be made, do we, Adam? You haven't heard anything? I haven't I heard anything, not. Sam. You guys I heard know. anything? I have not, and I heard that Orlando is under consideration, too, and then also Gainesville, where, you know, obviously would use the, the Gators' home stadium. So that that's, you know, my understanding is those venues uh, are also under consideration. But, you know, you think about the opportunity to market your franchise, and that's a great point made, is if you can branch out and go to a different city and – just the headlines that have already been created because yeah. the conversations are out there. And it get, makes a statement on what it would be like if they were able to play there. So it, it would be awesome. And, you know, they do supercross there. If, if you haven't seen it, you know, Google it, YouTube it. They race supercross in the, on the infield in the trial at Daytona. So it, it's very feasible. I would just love to see, where do they add seats? They put seats there on the front straightaway and then seats along pit road. And, you know, how, how would they set it up? I'm, I'm intrigued beyond, um, you know, imagination on what they would uh, be able to do if they could create a football stadium at Daytona. And we actually tried it here in Charlotte. We wanted to play a, a football classic here, a high school football classic here in Charlotte at the racetrack with some local schools. Unfortunately, the turf that they have put down, and it's truly turf here. It's not grass. It's it's artificial turf on the infield at Charlotte. It's just not conducive to play football on. Uh, but I know these owners are really thinking out of the box on ways they can utilize their facility, and it would be great for NASCAR and Daytona to get to be a part of what Jacksonville's got going on. I think it would be cool to do a high school event with, with high school teams from the cities where the other tracks are. Mm-hmm and have them come in and play, I think that would be like a, a hoot to have that happen. So I don't know, Adam. We, we gonna, if you didn't get, get to do it in Charlotte, we may do it down here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Do that. We thank you for joining us this morning. When I think of sports and fathers and sons, NASCAR is right up at the top because that happens so much Absolutely. in the sport. And you have a chance to witness it. And uh, my goodness, I don't, I don't know if there's a father and son before we go that, that you can think of on the track that, that top all the others. I mean, they all have tremendous stories. Well, I would say, you know, when you think about the father-son connection, uh, there there are many, and, and there are so many, you know, dads that I see at the racetrack that race that now support their kid. Uh, but I, I'll tell you, a great father-son relationship, and it's from right there in the Atlanta area, and that's the Sieg family. You know, Ryan Sieg has been racing the Xfinity Series forever, and his dad, Rod, 
is is just one of the great personalities. And that team won for the first time in Sonoma, the 28 car with Eric Almirola and, and the Sieg family uh, owns that. But Rod Sieg's a neat guy. And, and then, you know, also, I mean, you know, Chase – and Bill Elliott, Bill's still at the track, and sometimes we serve as a spotter for Chase at the road courses when they need an extra spotter. So, so many wonderful father-son combinations, and and beyond that, just the the race fans. And and you said it. I mean, when you think of NASCAR, you do think of family, and uh, it's it's rare to go to the racetrack and and not see those memories being made by by dads and and their kids, uh, which is what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, you have Absolutely. fun with your family today, your kids, if you get a chance to. And uh, just, you know, we just always thank you for what you bring to the show, man. And yeah, we man. can't say it enough and regularly. And, and when we talk to you again, we want to hear a story about what happened later today. If, <laughs> yeah. there, if there's a good one. Okay, when we hung up with you guys, look, man, this is what happened to me on Father's Day. Okay, I look forward to it. Well, you guys, happy Father's Day to you guys and all the dads out there. We appreciate uh the opportunity to be on, and I hope everybody has a great day. All right, thanks, All right, thanks a lot, Adam.